o mauna kea, kua hiwi ku hao i ka maalie, felina me ke aloha e na hoa makamai e hoolohe mai nei. Aloha kaakou, mahalo for joining us for our final episode of Kaleo Kauluau, in which we honor the moku of Hamakua and also mauna kea. Wa kaapuni no kaakoua puni o Hawaii nui kuauli, mai hilo i kaua kani lehua, puna paia ala i kahala, kau kua makani, Kona kai opua i kalai, kohala i ka makani a paapaa, a me hama kua kihiloa. Ua lohe ia no nga moolelo o ka aina, a ua nanea no ka pepeau. No ka manawa o keia kaka ko hua ka iho peloa i loko o hama kua. A malela e pau ai kaka ko ka apuni ana. Alia na e oko e haalele o ia ihoi, he hua kai o koa aku no kaka ko ma hope o keia. We made an incredible huaka'i around the island of Hawaii, beginning in January 2021 in Hilo, visiting and learning about wahipana of that moku through the leo of our guests. Then we traversed the forests and the coastlines, the craters and villages of Puna, and then we passed through Ka'u, where we learned more about Pele, ancient tradition, supernatural beings, oceanic connections. In Kona, we listened to stories of mythic families and historical sites, and in Kohala, we were reminded of the importance of Inoa Aina, or place names, and the stories that they tell, as well as about the famed environmental elements of the Waimea area. In Hamakua, we broadened our understanding of the extent and the great significance of that moku. We stepped into Waipio and ascended the great Mauna Awakea. In this final episode, as we complete our circuit, we continue to honor Mauna Awakea, the great mountain, who has been repeatedly mentioned by our guests. Mauna Kea, whose summit rises in the moku of Hamakua, we have been traveling intentionally with our right hand facing inland, Mauka, and have chosen to do so to hold tight to that which we have learned during this journey, to store these recollections in our mind, and then perhaps allow them to manifest in our sharing, teaching, and our art. Our right hand gestures respectfully towards Mauna Kea, and each of us from the Kaleo Kauluau podcast Hui has a special relationship with that Mauna. We've joined others in feeding the waters of Waiau at a moment when she seemed in peril. We've participated in ceremony on the great Mauna, have chanted and danced, done hay, have taken and taught classes at Pu'uhulu Hulu. We've learned the names and the stories of each Pu'u at the summit, and we've conveyed Vai from Kaho'olawe to Mauna Kea to contribute to a life-giving cycle. We see Mauna Kea often, even in our home area, in the uplands of Puna. This Mauna who is a guiding force, a teacher, a source of inspiration, a gatherer of water, a kupuna, a symbol uniting past, present, and future, and communities across the Paiaina, and even the Honua, the world. And with Mauna Kea in our consciousness, Drew, would you please introduce our final mea kipa, our final guest, Kawila? Sure, it would be my pleasure. Kawila Kelei Kanaka Ole was born and raised in Hawaii. He's a native Hawaiian artist, designer, traditional practitioner, and mahu, steeped in the cultural practice of hula aiha'a, ritual chant and dance, through halau kekuhi for over 20 years. He's a member of Hui Malama'i Naivi Kupuna o Hawaii under the Office of Hawaiian Affairs, repatriating native Hawaiian remains and funerary objects back to Hawaii. And he's a steward of rituals and ceremony of global cultural exchange. Kawila is a kia'i and has stood in the protection of Mauna Awakea now and in past years. And he's the founder of Tiny Kuahu LLC and the Tiny Kuahu Series Sessions, voices in our community through music, ritual, and conversation to promote balanced lifestyles, mental health, well-being, and overall aloha. 
Kawila graduated in fine arts from the University of Hawaii at Hilo and in fashion design at Parsons, the new school in New York City. Kawila brings great joy to those people around him with his sense of humor, his creativity, his positive energy, unique insights, and his commitment to Aloha Aina. We are so happy to have him here with us today. Mahalo nui e Kawila for being with us today. Mahalo. <laughs> <laughs> We're really happy to, to see you again after a little bit of time has gone by. So. Wait. <laughs> Thank you, Drew. Mahalo ya oko apo no kikono anamai and let me share this space. This very safe and warm space. <laughs> <laughs> so we are, as you know, we, we've made this incredible huaka'i in our podcast around the island of Hawaii. And we are wrapping up with this final episode um, in the moku of Hamakua. And we are honoring Mauna Awakea. And so um, we've, we are thinking about you and, and inviting you to share um, about this place and about a story that you would like to, to share with us. In our listening audience. Shuala e anala hikino. Okay, aloha, aloha mai kako o kawila nui makehe i kalani kel i kanaka ole o haile lani au. Um, no hilo mai au, makomoku o keave. No hoa i pana eva o wailuku, a wailoa, a wai olama kuuvai. O waiuli, mai a waiuli a i hilo paliko kuu kanaloa nui akea. Work. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, in the tradition of introducing my vai and my people, don't pat me for this. No, na ihilo ita aina kava uo kulu kulu ua. O hilo aina o lulule ua nale ua makanoi ouka. Hau mai ka ua tili hune o tanahele. Pu ia meke ala o tamaile o panaevae. Ku no mai na vai mo o wai luku he lua luku kanaka i kai palawa e uana i haili thale amuti ti o namandu o olono ai o ai olama he vai lepo i o kai me wai loa apa i ke kula o anaka. Karen, work. what? You want to share a story with us? Oh, sure. Yes, I have a story. So this mo'olelo, or as it will be, a ka'au, um, is a fairly new one that I came across and it's not your typical ka'au where you will eat where you will find what has been prescribed our hua our base our usual and foundational hua I think it's ha'alele next because you would ha'alele before hukai right 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 cool 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 hua ha'alele hua ka'i and then your ho'ina it may not specifically like, it will not completely be subscribed to those four specific elements of your usual ka'au framework. But it can, and I will explain why eventually. So I'm going to read off my notes. Yes, I'm reading off my notes. And um, maybe I'll improv in between that. 
Why are you laughing You guys can laugh, you know. Please do, because like... <laughs> Tough crowd. Okay, so um, I... Um, this Mo'olelo uh, is... Mo'olelo Olana Ame Naka'au. So it starts off with this uh, warrior slash Olapa slash Lua master um, whose name was Lana and he was from Hamakua. Like genuinely from Hamakua. Okay. And um, on the Mokuo Keave, and that is on the north east side of our Moku. Um, so uh, the story starts where Lana had a, he was in his dream state one night and he was a young adult. And he was just coming into his primehood of his of his manlyhood. <laughs> <laughs> and in his dream, he um, he found himself, um, especially being in Hamakua, and Hamakua being one of the few districts that can actually extend all the way up to the apex of Mauna Awakia. Um, but Mauna Awakia meaning Mauna, the mountain, ah, of. Wakia. Wakia. Say it with me now. Nah, nah. But <laughs> Wakia in the sense of not just being the, the, I guess you would, in lamest terms, father of the sky, but Wakia's more um, archaic function in our environment is time and space. Okay? Yeah. You're welcome. Um, so he found himself on the mountain. Okay, back to the story. And um, he was at the most tippity top, at the apex of uh, Mauna Awakia, and I believe that would be Pu'upoliahu. I think. I believe it is. Unless you're going to be on a Gemini observatory, which is, don't be in there. Okay. Um, but in this dream, he was at the apex of the Mauna, and he was surrounded by these three large feminine figures, and in his dream, he 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 spanned around him a three full three sixty, and they were reaching out to him. And um, as he awoke, he kind of was like, "Okay, that was a very vivid dream that I remember, and it must have meant something if it came to me in this space." And so then, what do you do when you when you have a very vivid dream that you cannot really like that you remembered clearly? You usually will go to your the eldest in your family or the closest relative to you that is either has some kind of status or hierarchy in your ohana. So he went to his grandma and he asked the grandma, why, um, why did I have this dream or why were these figures reaching out to me? And his grandmother answered, because the mauna gives us life. The mauna is, the mauna protects us and the mauna unites us, unites our entire island as one, being the highest land feature and reaching above all the nu'us of this level honey. and um she said well it's calling to you as in in a gesture in a gesture gesture is that a word gesture <laughs> gesturing to someone and reaching out to them usually means you're either calling to them or asking for something or you're it's a directional type of uh communication Ooh. uh so in, uh, after he heard that from his grandma, Lana left Hamakua and made his way to Mauna Wakia. And as he, arri as he arrived to the base of the Mauna, which was kind of around the Waikiki side, closer to Pu'uhuluhulu, um, he was met with, um, with several men who were sort of kind of blocking the way 
of we're basically barricading the pathway up to the Mauna, the easiest accessible way up. And he was asking them, oh, what are they doing? And um, they they responded, we are the men of, of Halo Kula Ohilo. So he was like, okay, well, I'm not from Hilo, so I don't really know <laughs> what that means, but work, Halo, okay? And then he asked them what they were doing up there, and what he saw was they were they were taking down all the ahus that were built there in uh in in creating that sacred space creating that one conduit in order to communicate with a more sacred space above themselves and um listen, remembering what his grandmother had told him how the mauna gives you life how the mauna protects you and how it unites you it sounds like the grandma so in his head, he saw the Mauna as his Ohana. Mm. So the way that they were treating his grandmother um, was didn't sit right with him. I guess in his mind, in his mind's eye, he saw them mistreating his grandmother, and ain't nobody down with that. Mm. So he basically um, he called to his Akua and Amakua, and in one stroke, he struck them all down, wow. killing them all. Okay. It, it gets better, I promise. And then it doesn't. And then it does. So in that wake, he returned back to Hamakua. He told his grandmother what had happened. And he and not in a sense that right on for you, but it was more so she, was, she wasn't happy that he had to take their lives because a life is not yours to take. Um, but she was proud that he took the initiative to protect something that was so precious to her, meaning that was so precious to him in turn, in a familial kind of way. Um, so kind of fast forwarding, years after his that one adventure, um, years passed, he found himself um, with his partner and they had, they had children and grandchildren and great grandchildren. He had about 40 kids. And that's a lot of kids. Let me just share. So I don't know if it was a Punalua, Punakolu, Puna 17 kind of deal, <laughs> but the wife better work, okay, to bear that many. And so on and so forth. And he was still living. But one night, he found himself in his dreamscape. He found himself back in the same space on Pu'upoliyahu in the dead of night on a full moon night. And he he the one thing that was different that he couldn't see the figures around him, those large, misty, clouded, and shrouded feminine figures. And he was wondering why, and he kind of like panicked, and he he was so, like, he was so out of it that he woke himself out of the dream in the same night. And he woke his whole family up, and he explained to them what had happened to him years before of his battle with those men from Halaukula Ohilo, and what had transpired there. And because his grandmother had already passed, he knew that that, that Kuleana of the head of the family was passed on to him. So they packed up all their things and along with him, his whole family traveled with him. So with his 40 kids and with their 40 kids and their 40 kids was like 1600 people. Now that's a big family reunion and very expensive. <laughs> Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so with all his, with all his Ohana, because of their Pilina to this space, 
and their pilina to their and their connection through their grandmother. They all journeyed to Mauna Kea. So this is where um, some of that ka'au comes, framework comes into play. Um, when they arrived at the base of the mountain, they were met with the legion of Kanaka from Halaukula Ohilo. And they were, they, uh, they were like, who are you and what are you doing here? We came to see if anything was wrong with the mountain because we didn't see, our, we didn't see those akua or those akua noho there anymore. We wanted to check if everything was all G. And um, in their in their co conversing or in their discourse, um, they they told them that we are the descendants of those men you killed from years that pass. And he was like, "Oh sh! Now we gotta fight. Like now we gotta throw hands. I gotta meet you at the parking lot. You know what I mean?" So a battle had raged, and it was one that the Mauna had never seen before. And um, in the midst of the battle, um, Lana had had taken a life and he stood up to take a breath. And he looked around and um, he saw how his kids and his children were killing. And in like, there was a whole bunch of bloodshed, very 300 action. And, um, and how these people, these Kanaka, Kanaka Hawaii especially, were dying and not knowing the reason why in basically losing life in vain and the um and battling the descendants of that halal and that um it kind of like filled him with like this wave of sorrow and sadness and he went to the middle of the battlefield as center or the pico of that that kawa and he yelled and he howled like a huge like I don't know how what a howl looks sounds like, but all I can think about is like when you're taking a beach cruise and you're like Hawaiian, but probably not that. Um, and the whole the battle had come to a like a, almost a standstill, like everything was silent. And he he looked around and he asked like why why is this happening? Why is this battle happening to us? Why are us Kanaka fighting Kanaka? Why are we desecrating this sacred space? Why are Hawaii people fighting Hawaii people? And he and his kids, his 40 kids, which who are grandparents by this point, they laid down in the middle of the battlefield and took their lives, their own lives. And um, everyone mourned them, everybody cried. I mean, it was a surprise to even their grandchildren and to the Halau people because none of them had sacrificed their lives. They were, they were dandy. Hmm. Um, but they mourned for 40 days afterwards for every life that was lost in that great sacrifice. And on the 41st day, on the day of the Lana, um, a big, these huge clouds, these big like Lono-esque clouds and these like this really foggy mist that you can only find at like five in the morning when you're sleeping up at the Mauna and these like, and these snow crystals came down the mountain, descended, had cleared out the mountain, but came right there on that battlefield and basically swooped up all that, all those spirits that were lost there because they hadn't left and took them back up to the mountain mm -hmm. in order to, transcend that space and their and their great sacrifice and took them all the way up to the Alohilani. And um because of that, 
um, because of Lana and his children's sacrifice, Kanaka Hawaii, Hawaii specifically for this battle, were forbidden to fight one another. Um, they were not allowed to desecrate any rocks, any any plant, any ahu, any any animal people. And um, once a year, the descendants of both Lana and the Halao Kula uh, gather in remembrance of their sacrifice and unity. And Amamauanoa, that's the story. Wow. Mm. Mahalo. Okay, cool. We cannot breathe now. It was a little heavy, but it, it'll be fine, I swear. So um, if you don't know, this, this mo'olelo has been kaawified by me. That is not a word, but it should be. Has been put into a framework of ka'au. And this specific mo'olelo happened on the year from 2014 to 2020. This was the story of what happened on the Mauna in the wake of Kukia Imauna, in the space of Pu'uhuluhulu, where our Kanaka Hawaii in our modern day time battled this, this institution that was ready to take something so precious and sacred and who is revered as a familial element, elemental, and was ready to desecrate her. So this mo'olelo is not an ancient mo'olelo. This mo'olelo happens in our time. And the reason I decided to tell this story in a ka'au format is because, um, and focus on spaces and the uh, sanctity of those spaces and these characters and their great sacrifice is because 10 generations from now, these stories that we have lived will become ka'au because our mo'olelos are told five generations from now, but they become ka'au because I see myself in Lana's space. I see myself in the, in the child, in the 40 children's spaces. I see myself as the figure reaching out for help. I see myself in the space of the grandmother who told Lana, why, why were you up at the mountain and why it is so vital and critical to our well-being? And um, the reason why I did that is because eventually these, these, these stories are going to become our great, great, great grandchildren's reference to how they see themselves in their environment or how they see themselves as political leaders or um, in leadership roles in academia or as just warriors of the Aina who fight the good fight. And um, that needs to be more relevant to our times because what what our what my grandmother guys needed back then they have we have now at our disposal so how do we push that even further how how do we write these new ka'au and mo'olelo in order to be stay prevalent and relevant to our times and be able to share those types of stories yes so um so that's kind of why i wrote it like that and that's why i wanted to um um, articulate the story in that kind of framework. And um, in the framework of our great Joseph Campbell, our, our kupuna, um, <laughs> some of the ar <laughs> <laughs> mythical archetypes that I can run through with you is um, a ki'ivahine or a ki'ikane or a ki'imahu, um, usually a heroine or hero or one that is a duad of both genders because gender is 
gender has always been fluid. Only now people are catching up America. <laughs> Only now people are catching up to that thought process. So Lana, um, I don't know if I should put him on blast. Oh, who cares? <laughs> Work. So Lana is actually my really, really good friend, Lana Kila uh, Manuel. Um, he hails from Hamakua. So this hero, heroine slash mahu is a living, breathing entity who is alive in this story and who actually lives in Hamakua. Um, the Ki'ikeiki is the innocence or they represent the hope of the story. And the hope was of their of their grandchildren that they would live on to tell this type of mo'olelo. Um, like there, another figure would be a ki'ikahuna or like the wise man or the old woman or the kind of witch or wizard who gives that wise advice. And that would be the grandmother in the beginning of the story. Um, a ki'ikolohe, I haven't had time to find the ki'ikolohe yet, but you're welcome to do it for me and email me. Thank you, comment below. Um, <laughs> I would say I would say there was a cross between a kiikolohe and a kiimo'o, which are dragon figures or these figures who are said to kind of either eat um what is that called? They're kind of sort of kind of troublemakers, but sort of kind of protect also protectors. Yes. So it's kind of a cross between them. So it's like a kolohe mo'o, and that would have been the halau kula nui. And the Ki'imohai is the great sacrifice. So that would have been Lana and his 40 children. And um, what that was actually, that was it for me in my experience of the of us Kia'ing the Mauna was actually my grandma and her kupuna friends laying their lives down for us. Mm-hmm. And so behind them was us standing and holding the line, which was the Ki'ikeiki. And it was their sacrifice. They never die, by the way. It was just the story. But it was my grandma. It was Uncle Billy. It was uh, it was it was Auntie Luana. It was Auntie Nohel. Practically all my aunties, Auntie Damien. Um, it was all those aunties and uncles who laid themselves down. And I don't think it was so much because they were trying to be heroes, but I think it was a place. Don't quote me on this, please. But in my experience listening to them, it was because they knew they had to be the ones to do that first. And it was because they grew up in the space of the Mauna and they witnessed these these actions being done upon this space. And it was kind of like, I think it was a release for them. It was a release from the, either the shame or the pride that they had for it. And they, were, they weren't in the power or the position to do anything about it at that time. Mm-hmm. But that was, that was the perfect moment for them. And um, the last one, oh no, I need to touch base on that. So the Hua was Lana as the warrior and coming into his prime. The Ha'alele was for me when he, when he first left Hamakua. The Huaka'i was the actual journey. So him having a family, him back in his dreamscape, him taking his family. And I believe the Ho'ina, and after all throughout the battle, and I believe the Ho'ina is in their in their um, remembrance and of their sacrifice. So yeah, that's it. <laughs> Mahalo Nui, it's very powerful. Mm-hmm. I get chicken skin every time, you know, certain parts of the story, but... Um, 
You mentioned at the beginning and you just, re, you know, and you just recapped with the different four areas of the Ka'au system and the framework. Would you mind sharing a little bit about that? Or did you have a question, Drew? No, I was going to ask if you could, you know, do the same thing. Like maybe, you know, tell our listeners who may not know what Ahua is and, you know, Ha'alele and so forth, right? Oh, wait, they don't know. They may not there's a slight possibility they might not. Okay, so, um, oh, no. Oh, if my old boss is going to hear this, I better get it right, yeah? <laughs> okay, the Hua for the Ka'au framework in academia. I'm going to say that again. In academia, because there could be a different framework for different types of lear- houses of learning. But from my understanding, the Hua is the catalyst of the story, what sets the story off, or the heroine, or the hero, or the... Shmiro, because we're trying to be inclusive up in here. Um, and it's that it's the it's the point where they realize something needs to happen and or something needs to change. So I think the Hua in this in this specific brand new made up two days ago myth is actually him in his dreamscape and then later talking to his grandma. That was the point where he realized that this is the catalyst that sets me off onto this journey. The Ha'alele is the departure. So not so much like he actually left Hamakua, but it was more so when he got to the Mauna. But it could it could be different, but this is just my, my interpretation. Don't come for me. Um, <laughs> It was him getting to the Mauna and the departure from... Him being this trained warrior, this trained Lua master, this tra- in the Ka'au, not Lanakila in real life, this trained Olapa warrior and Lua master, um, when he had to take his first life. For me, that was the Ha'alele. He, he, a part of him had to die and leave that innocent behind. The point and, of no return kind of transition. Yeah, because I'm pretty, when you take your first life, tell me tell you, the first time I killed a mole, it was devastating. Nah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm joking. But you're never going to be the same once you take a life. Um, and that's that goes for, I mean, <clears throat> that goes pretty much for anybody who is kind of sane and grounded, which I believe he is and was in this story. And that was my interpretation of his ha'alele. He had to leave that person behind and he had to have, he had a part of him died away and he became somebody else after that. Mm-hmm. Um, the Huaka'i is the actual journey he took. So after he had departed from that part of him, he came back home, you know, he's told his grandmother the story. She was like, you did, go, you did go boy, not the best, but like, hey, you did what you had to do in order to preserve what was the most vital part of our, our, um, survival in our ecosystem, I guess, our, our environment. And um, from him, um, the whole journey was that he had, he found the family, he had a family, he found a partner, a love, he he found more love within his family. He created this large community based on like everything that he had learned before. And then he kind of had to, um, there was I almost two parts to this whole enup though but i'll get to that um he and then he had the dream again which is another kind of hua moment like a mini sub hua so he had a second catalyst and then he came back with another ha'alele because he had to take his kids and they had to experience so it was like almost a double entendre of a journey and then um 
And uh, there's no rules. Like, you I mean, <laughs> you know, Dua Lipa, no new rules, no rules. Um, and then the, the ho'ina for me was them actually physically ho'ing to that pu'uhulu space that um, what we called, I think it was called Alahulu Kupuna. That was the road our kupuna laid themselves down, by the way. Um, nowadays, not not in this car, but also in this car. I think I confused myself. Never mind. The hoina for me was them actually physically coming back, and the hoina afterwards was after after they passed and coming back in the remembrance of them because that was the that was the I guess that was the lesson or that was the hoina for them. That was the it was the end, but it was the ending to for a new beginning. Oh, by the way, hoina means the return. <laughs> Mahalo, Mahalo for that. <laughs> You guys know now. Take notes. And then listen again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do that too. It's rare for us to have a guest who kind of explains the story afterwards. Like you have Kawila. <laughs> we really appreciate it. And I and I think that you just remind us too that, you know, mo'olelo don't have to be like, you know, it's a process. And this, you know, you're mo'olelo that you know, came into creation a couple of days ago, right? Is being ka'awified, as you said, which is a great yeah, idea. Ka'awing, <laughs> and I mean, it just remind, reminds us that, you know, of this continuum of, of time and space, right? Yeah. It seems really important. And I'm really glad that we're finishing our, you reminding us of, you know, future generations being able to, you know, learn and hear and learn from this, this mo'olelo that you've shared. Thank you. That is from now. I, I don't know. You know, I just... Okay. Backstory. I was telling Drew that I was a little insecure about talking about our older myths and ka'au and mo'olelos. Because maybe I'm not the best articulator, but what I can do is provide a new... Not a new, but a different point of view of how I would approach a ka'au. And the way I see ka'au happening... Now, even our old myths are still happening now. You just have to be able to recognize them. But what happens to the stories that have been told today that have been done or experienced two years ago, five years ago, like what happens to them? Those also, um, so I don't know. I guess that was my approach to this, that um, not I didn't want to do the old ones. You can always do the old ones and you can do it by yourself, by the way. Go to puuhulu.com. But I think that those stories, because Ka'au is supposed to be relative to you now, you're supposed to be able to see yourself in any one of those archetypes, whether you're the heroine or you're the troublemaker or you're the you're the you're the old the old crone or the wise person or you're the ki'uli or you're the sacrifice. You're supposed to be able to recognize yourself in those characters. And that's like that goes the same for movies any movie actually like i mean it's as easy as moana if you take these archetypes you see them everywhere in there and that's the point of the ka'au is that you're supposed to be able to relate to it it's not just some it's not a mystical fantasy thingy of just only elementals and goddesses the stories have happened but they were written or or, or orated in a way that you can be able to relate to them so they become relevant but for me, 
I wanted to be able to take that same framework and be able to see it in a space that is happening now in 2020, 2021, or even 10 years ago in 2014. Like you should be able to see yourself in the space of where Lanaquila had to run up to the mountain and literally stop there. They're cutting the Miley ceremony for their groundbreaking. You should be able to see yourself in the space of like, um, my sister Kamakaiva or my mom or like even Havane, my, my Tito from up at the Mauna or like my grandma or Uncle Billy, be those warriors, be that kupuna, be the sacrifice. Like you may not always win, but you should be, you should see yourself in those characters or those spaces. So the Ka'au happened and it's a, definitely a mo'olelo, but I think it should be able to happen someplace where you can tell it like an old story like how I tried to do. It was a really big attempt. Again, don't come for me. Um, but I think they, I think those stories still need to be told. Mm-hmm. Because you would just hear like, oh, that's the Kia'is. They did it up on the Mauna. Well, what happened on the Mauna? How did you see yourself on the Mauna? Where were you during this Mauna? And you don't necessarily physically have to be there because we weren't there when Pelinhiaco was happening or when Cavello was happening. But you should see yourself in them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you brought up a very important point about having Mo'olelo and Ka'au transcend time and being able to to relate to those characters, those me'e, and still see yourself in it in today's time. And I love that you took something that you're very pili to and, and you're fearless in creating because if that didn't occur, Ikavamamua, we wouldn't have those Ka'au today. Yeah. So I love that you and continue to do that. Oh, sorry, my pigeon came out a little bit, but um, get it. Call <laughs> 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 my no, but I I just want to mahalo you for doing that because I kakoo that I I I'm waiting to hear the continuation of Pele and Hiyaka, and maybe mm-hmm. that's not a I don't know if other people want to have that or not but i would love to see it because that story is not over yeah mm-hmm. it's it's still happening today i mean look at kahialaka mm-hmm. that it's still happening mm-hmm. and we were immersed in it so much and like for me now trying to encourage new creations of kaao i wanted to extrapolate on the word wakea which meaning transcending space and time because it may have been the space it's still that space. The only difference is the time. Mm. And the stories could have happened just like this a thousand years ago in the same space. And it's still happening today. So work. Because you've been referencing this special place and because this podcast series is is all about people. I mean, it's partly about people learning more and therefore connecting with, you know, the, the very special, powerful Vahipana of this specific island and all of the different moku. Um, I guess it would be nice just to, if you could, you know, project. So you've you've gone through this experience personally um, on Mauna Kea. What would, if you were just looking ahead in the future, how, what kind of relationship do you think people are going to? Um, well, my hope is they have the same type of experience I have, which surprisingly as a child wasn't that, wasn't that, strong of a connection to mm-hmm. the Mauna. We've always known as a kid throughout elementary and high school, we've always said, good morning, Papa Kea, good morning, good morning, Mama Loa. 
And it's almost like kind of a general saying, like, if they were clear enough, you say hi. If not, totally fine, because you know they're always there. And it's almost like your grandparents, because, you know, grandparents will be old, but you always tell your grandpa and your grandma hi. That's just the respectful thing to do. So that's how we revered them as children. But as I grew up in, like, early college, graduating, moving to New York and coming back and experienced what had happened on the Mona and not having that, having that, you need to want to come back, but knowing that there are Kamaka there who will be there. Um, I think in my experience, I had to be able to experience, be up there, be at three ahas a day for a thousand something days every day in order to create that connection. Mm -hmm. Because I don't think I've, I, to be 100% about it, I don't think I've had a personal, a genuinely intimate spiritual connection to the mountain. But I knew it was always there because I live on the mountain. Mm -hmm. Yes, I have a connection to specific spaces on our sea level or like on our vow level. But I think in my head, the same connection I had there is the same one to the mountain. Mm -hmm. Because we live on the mountain. Mm -hmm. But to be in that, in that space at that time solidified my connection to this entire island mm. and not just specific places around the mountain but the actual mountain itself that we live inhabit mm. and then being a guest of this Aina I'm from here but I'm just I'm a human so I'm a guest to this space um that's that's my hope for other people, other people who don't live here, other people who came to here from another space. You live and breathe, you live, you breathe, you eat from this land, you become a part of this landscape. And that's kind of the biggest olelo noel or the biggest takeaway that I had from in that experience. So that's my hope for the future generations and, and not just the future, the now generations. Like, yeah together you need to realize it today or else you're you you then you you lose that connection like how i did mm -hmm. and it's it doesn't feel good to not be connected like that but once you plug back in to the matrix of this aina you will find your you will find your place mm -hmm. and that's what i hope for other people mahalo, mahalo. Oh, oh yeah mahalo kawila Yes. It's been it's been wonderful spending time with you today. Thank you. I'm so nervous I still have to pee. Bleep. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Mahalo Nui for joining us. I, I just really enjoy the energy that you bring and I hope that our listeners enjoy as well. I'm sure they will. Yeah, you can find me at Four Wheeler for my personal account on Instagram or at Tiny Kuahu. And we also conduct AHA and we have these types of conversations. Mahalo Drew for having me. I listen to not all of them because they go right over my head, but I do listen to a lot of your guys' podcasts. So thank you so much for having this space for people to talk about Mo'olelo and Vahipana. And um, thank you for allowing me to create a ka'au. Still needs a lot of work, but thank you for giving me this opportunity or forcing me to explore <laughs> that kind of avenue of ka'au. Mekia no. aloha. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always. Mahalo. Okay. Everybody say ka'au. Nah. <laughs> Before we wrap things up, we'd like to mahalo each of our meakipa from our first season. Starting with Manaya Kalani Kalua and his animated account of Maui. 
And then there was Lokelani Brandt, who shared about the small yet powerful land division, that Ili of Pio Pio in Hilo. And we had Akea Makamai Kiuna and the Mo'olelo of Hinai Kiahi and Hinai Kawai. Mm-hmm. And Ryan McCormick, who introduced us to Puna through the mythic Ola'a forest. We also had Leila Kealoha and the spaces in and around Pu'ala'a and Kumukahi. And there was Kalani Pu'elia and the stories of her ohana around Kaweleau near Opihikau. And Pi'ilani Ka'avaloa and the Mo'olelo of Makani Halulu near Kalapana. And it was Noah Gomes who took us into Kau with a special focus on Pele and the place names around Kalua Pele. And then we had Nohea Ka'ava who told Mo'olelo of Pu'u Enuhe and Kawaihua Kawila in Kau. Hmm. And Kikuhi Keligi Kanakooleo Haililani, reminding us of those connections beyond our shores through migration. As well as Pele Honua Mea Harmon and Aina Kamu, both reflecting on Kau and Pilina that carry on to this day. And in Kona, there was Loke Aloa, a Kia'i Loko, who shared about Koloko Honokohau. We also had Ku'ulei Keakealani and the epic story of Kaulana Poki'i spanning Kona and Kohala. And Mahialani Pai, with his focus on the Heiau complex of Kahalu'u, also in Kona. We also had Hana Kihalani Springer and the Vahipana of Ka'upulehu in Kona. And to usher us into Kohala, there was Uncle Fred Kachola, who shared the journey that kept Kamehameha safe and the place names associated with that particular Mo'olelo. And we had Kehaulani Marshall, who shared the story of Pu'uhoku Ula in Waimea. Mm-hmm. And Palmai Bertelman, who spoke of the community and ohana life in Waimea. Kahealani Wilcox shared her personal relationship with the environment and elementals of Waimea as well. And for Hamakua, Noel Peralto and Heli Kailiehu shared their familial connections with that moku. Kaiulani Pahio brought us to the majestic valley of Waipio with the Mo'olelo of Nanawe. And Ku'ule Kanahele shared the mo'olelo of Kamiki as he rose to the challenge from Waipio to Mauna Kea. And finally, Kawila Kealii Kanaka'ole with his ka'awified mo'olelo of Mauna Awakea. We would also like to mahalo all of those who have supported this podcast because it is genuinely a team effort which include the UHILO Importance of Place Committee and a shout out to Kathleen Baumgartner for her work on our blog, the Kipuka Native Hawaiian Student Center at UH Hilo, the UH Hilo Office of the Chancellor, as well as University Radio Hilo, the Geography and Environmental Studies Department, also at UH Hilo, and the Palamanui and Co-Education Center campuses of Hawaii CC, and the Hawaii Lifestyles Program at Hawaii Community College, as well as our friend Sandy Miyasato of Kiikalo Productions, and most of all, our amazing audience from Hawaii and beyond, we are humbled by the kind and encouraging words that we've received from so many of you. Mm-hmm. And in case you didn't hear the exciting news, we'll be continuing Kaleo Kauluau in 2022 with a new season. And as we transition into the second season, we undergo a slight thematic and calendar shift. In season two, we will deliberately build upon the foundation and knowledge that has been so generously offered of the island of Hawaii through the sharing of Mo'olelo by our special guests and focus on traditional place-based cultural practices that are rooted in sustainability. Such focuses will include Ulana Lauhala, Lavaia, Kaulana Mahina, Mahiai, Laymaking, Hula, and more. Our episodes will be a little bit longer as our Meakipa share about their traditional practices perpetuated in this contemporary moment. And each of our 12 episodes for 2022 will be released at the start of each Hawaiian Lunar Month with the Hilo Moon Phase. We hope you'll continue to join us each month, starting with Ka'elo, as we deepen our understanding and knowledge of cultural practice and as we support the vitality of each one of those practices. But before Season 2 begins, be on the lookout for a bonus episode in which our podcast hui reflects on Season 1. 
In the meantime, don't forget to check out our social media platforms as well as our blog and story map at hilo.hawaii.edu slash uluwao. Until then, ahui ho. Aloha. Aloha.